Good morning, church family. I was uh, getting to visit with Scotty and our new brother, Gerald, a little bit before service today, and just was reminded while I was talking to them about Christ, the gospel, and this church family in particular that uh, I don't know how anybody makes it through life without a church family, and specifically a church family like this. You guys have... You and your prayers have carried me and my family through maybe the most difficult year of my family's life. And so I just wanted to start this year by saying, I love you. I love you so very much. And um, the love that we have, that I've witnessed you having for me, but that you have for each other, it's just, it is, it's the kingdom of God breaking in on earth. That's what's here. And so I just want to celebrate that as we kick off the year because we have a couple of other agendas this year. Um, I'm not going to, I've been announcing them and anticipating them, but I'm not going to talk about this first one except to mention our new theme, Accelerate. It's a goal-oriented theme this year where we want to challenge every single member of this church, all ages, to go on some kind of spiritual retreat or trip this year. An event, an accelerator event. That is an event It goes on your calendar, has a beginning and an end, and it is designed to accelerate your spiritual growth. We want everyone to go on one of those this year. I will not belabor the point today, but I will every other day for the rest of the year because we've got other things to take care of. I also want to announce I'm not starting my new series today, but I am excited. Next week, we will be starting a new series on the Sermon on the Mount. I went back and looked, and as obsessive-compulsive I am as I am about Jesus— I, in my almost 19 years here, have never, never done a series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from beginning to end. I just, I couldn't believe it. I feel very neglectful and rebuked, so I will remedy that this semester. We'll start on that next week, and I'm excited about that. But today, the leadership has asked me to dedicate our time to hopefully inspire you if you haven't already decided to take part in a special study that kicks off tonight, this very day tonight right here in this room at 5 30 we are going to engage in the third iteration of a bold class that we have had a couple of other times called can we talk about this and when we have these class our first one was in the fall of 2015 long time ago we had another one a few years ago in the winter of 2021 and this is our third one these special times we utilize these to cover topics that are difficult that are, that are possibly provocative. They are always like emotional for some people more than others, but they are subjects that sometimes feel unsafe to talk about in public. And that's why we have this title. Can we talk about this? And whatever the subject has been, our answer as a church, as it should be, has always been yes. We can talk about this. If not here, Where? So whether it's been talking about addiction and related issues, sexuality, including same-sex attraction, suicide, self-harm, anxiety and depression, uh, abortion, politics, and the church's role in relationship to that, racial issues, and the church's role in relationship to that, both historically and today, Um, how we read and interpret scripture through these classes and frankly, through this pulpit. 
we have always been a group that says, yes, we can. We can talk about this. So the subject that we're going to be dealing with starting tonight for eight weeks is women's role in the church. We're going to be looking at that. So first, we've done this, but I I just want to be repetitive so that you know the heart behind this. Uh, I want to answer as clearly as I can that question of why. Why are we doing this study? Why are we doing it now? What, what, what is, what's going on? So let me just tell you the story, the history of this church's leadership uh, that I know concerning this topic. So I was only here four years. It was back in 2008, 15 years ago. The elders decided, and they included the ministers in this, to study this issue with fresh eyes. There was nothing pressing, nothing urgent. There wasn't people pushing for it. There wasn't something going on. And that was part of the reason they felt like this is a good time to do it, right? Is to, let's just go to it without any pressure because your elders are lifelong learners. They want to take ground in every meaningful subject. And this is definitely a meaningful one. Now, there were some questions that would just pragmatically come up from the youth ministry about it. Like, how do our elders elders feel about women teaching high school small groups, right? Junior high small groups. Is is that okay? How about women youth interns being on staff with us as ministry? How about full-time youth minister as a woman? These were things that would just periodically come up. So this was uh, practical, but there was nothing urgent. And after that study, your shepherds concluded that scripture allows more freedoms for women's role in the church, you know, organization and leadership and service than we currently practiced. Now that's big. They concluded by studying scripture that our practices don't align with what scripture allows and possibly even calls for. That's big. However, we had a lot going on then. And they discerned we are not going to make any major moves aligning ourselves a little bit more closely with what we believe Scripture allows at that time. Because we had a lot of things going on. Other things that just were higher on the priority list. And you may or may not agree with that seems like maybe that should go up or that should go down. This is what they discerned at the time. And so we didn't make any major changes. We didn't decide that. But they did say, they took note. We, they had such a rich study. Just engaging scripture on any topic is rich. But on that one, it was revealing in lots of categories for them. They had made a decision. One day we want to replicate that study with the whole church. So they didn't say when, we didn't make plans, but that was what was concluded way back then 15 years ago. So then in the spring of 2018, so just still a long time ago, uh, we had a, Retreat. We have a leadership retreat every year. The elders meet and they invite the ministers to join them. And this was the, the retreat just after we had the annual theme. You might remember the banner up there. We don't always do that, but we had one up there that said, what's your next step in spiritual maturity? And that whole year we challenged you to individually ask, what's my next step? Where, what, do I, what ground do I need to take? And what's my next step? And work on that that year. At this retreat, we said, what's our corporate next step? Like each individual disciple needs to move, but each individual church in the kingdom, kingdom's a big place. But what's our next step as a group towards spiritual maturity? What's the calling on our life? And so the leadership challenged themselves to discern that. They did not decide it that weekend. That's a big topic. 
Well, we started praying and we started thinking and they decided to continue it after that retreat, six weeks of prayer and fasting. Not six weeks straight of fasting. Fasting on Wednesdays of those six weeks. And, uh, and so we, we, we did that and with the plan to come back together and, and take notes, listen for God and see what God delivers in this plurality of leadership, right? That's, that's kind of what we, we trust that more than any individual saying, this is what we should do. This was a great meeting. I still love that meeting. We all went around. Some had notes. Some had pretty clear things in their mind. But everyone shared, elders and ministers. There were two things on everyone's list. There were lots of things, dozens. We still have that list. Great stuff. But there were two on everyone's list that drew our attention. The first one was we felt like we were called to start a ministry to the recovery community. Those that struggle with addiction, their families, their professional caregivers. And we wanted to be a church in this town, if not the church, that people that struggle with that messy, messy situation, we're your place. We want you. So we did, we've done that. We've done that. I, I could go off talking about the progression of that, but we spent a year looking at other churches that were doing it around the country, asking for wise counsel. Then after a year, we launched our RISE ministry, recovery inter- intersecting with spiritual experience. We've taken Jeremy Hunter. He's become our minister. There's just lots of good stuff. See, I'm doing it. All right. So we were faithful to that. But the other thing that was on everyone's list, and there were some new elders in this group from the first time, was we need to re-engage in our study with the women's role in the church. And so we did. The spring of, or for the next 13 months after that summer of 2018, we had a group that are particularly skilled at this put together a study plan for us. And we did that for 13 months. Somewhere along the way, that group that was putting together the study of elders and ministers, they realized one big part of this, you can't study women's role in the church in scripture without studying how you read scripture. So you may or may not know it was our study of the women's issue that launched the series we did in 2019 of fall on the Bible, on how we read scripture. We found our friend Wade Hodges, who's a preacher down in Dallas. He had done a series on the Bible that we took a time out from studying the women's issue in the Bible and just studying the Bible. And how we approach it, how we read it, the lenses through which we use to interpret it. And so this was a powerful, impactful thing. We took a time out again and said, we think they commissioned me to replicate that series for our church. And I hope that was a wonderful and impactful time for all of you like it was for me. So we did that. But anyway, we then finished our women's study and decided these things. Once again, they agreed with their earlier conclusion We are not practicing what the Bible allows and maybe even calls for in terms of women's role in the church. We're not practicing that. So the second decision shouldn't surprise you. If your elders have any conviction at all that way, they've decided we we need to make some changes. We need to make some changes concerning how we operate and women's role in the church. The third decision has two parts. And one, it was a decision to not make a decision. Hear me. They did not decide how, what, and when the changes would be made. They did not decide what changes do we need to make? When will we implement them? Nope, they instead said, remember that study we said we need to have with the whole church? That's what we need to do. 
before we decide what changes need to be made, we want everyone to enjoy. Basically, the elders want to study it again. This time, with all of you. And so, that's what we're doing. And I hope you hear, embedded in that story, the ultimate answer to the reason why we're doing this is because God put it on that list. God told us to. God told them to. So that was back in 2019, 2020 that we finished that study and made these decisions. You might be going, what happened? It's 2023. You know what happened. The pandemic happened, okay? That sucked all the emotional energy, not just out of us, but in the whole world. And we weren't about to take something very important, very meaningful, but very, like these classes are, provocative and emotional and complicated and add that, layer that on to what we, we were just trying to survive COVID, right? And praise God we did. This church, our le- the leadership was phenomenal. So grateful for all of you and how we just tried to love one another with lots of different opinions about that. It was a great example of unity in Christ and love first in that, that we get to carry on into this. So that's where we are today. And I hope you hear clearly that it came from that time of prayer and fasting. So for them, with some fear and troubling, the elders are just doing what they feel like God convicted them to do a long time ago. Hasn't been in any hurry. So I know we've gone over this, but I just want to be clear now. It's upon us. This is when you really listen. Here's the format. Tonight, 5.30, get here a little early. We'll have some snacks and coffee or whatever, and then come in here at 5.30. We'll have 45 minutes of presentation And then we'll have optional breakout groups with an elder and a minister in each group. All the rest of the elders and ministers will be in the foyer if you'd like to just talk to someone one-on-one, but they may actually visit with you and then take you to a group. And uh, that's optional, but if you would like to process and think in a smaller context with a few people or just hear other people processing, right? That's what those rooms will be for. So basically, 5.30 to 6.45 is kind of what we're on. But we are committed to staying as long as you like each week. This will last eight weeks with the exception of January 29th. They will all be that same time. January 29th, we have a guest speaker coming from David Liscombe University, John Mark Hicks. I'll tell you about him in a minute. But that one will start earlier in the afternoon so he can catch a flight to get back to his classes that evening. We also, uh, February 12th, will take a time out from this eight-week study because that's the Super Bowl and we want you to attend. So... um, we are all about it. That's right. Especially if Dallas makes it, right? If Dallas makes it, then I know we, uh, we know our audience. Okay. So it's, <laughs> all right. So that is uh, what we're going to be doing. Now, I want to honor something here this morning. Because, by the way, if you're a guest today, we're, this is kind of unusual, but this is not unusual. We're just, this is kind of a family meeting that we're talking about to prepare for a bunch of family meetings. But you're invited. Because you are also always invited if you need a family, like Gerald, right? If you're looking for a family, you are invited. So you are welcome to join us for this. But I just want you to know that's, that's kind of what we're doing here, having this little family meeting to prepare for that. So I want to honor that this subject, like all the subjects we have dealt with, and can we talk about this, and said yes to, this is a difficult and emotional subject, for some people more than others, and for different, sometimes very contrary reasons. 
right? So it's a difficult, I just want to honor that. Now, the reasons vary, like I said, but for a lot of us that have grown up in church, it's at the base, one of our things that makes this emotional is because we have considered that the practices that we've inherited from our heritage or our parents or our grandparents, that is already biblical. That is the Bible way of doing it. And so it's scary to come at the Bible and examine, like we're supposed to on any belief we inherit, examine that according to Scripture, okay? And be sure it's biblical. So that's scary. So we get afraid that if we conclude anything that's different than what we are already have concluded, we're afraid we are making a conclusion based on some other pressure other than Bible study that is pushing us to do something that's unbiblical. And some of us, I hope you've detached from this some, but some of us attach that anything is biblical in practice is also salvational. And so it can be emotional because it feels like we're messing with potentially a salvational issue. Now, we're not going to talk now about the validity or invalidity of that. I'm just explaining to you, it can get that weighty. It can be that emotional because it carries that. And I want us to honor that relationally. This is complicated. So for our first gathering tonight, in fact, it's a study on the women's role in the church, but tonight... We're doing a couple of other things. One, we're going to have a panel of our elders. It's one thing for me to sit here and talk to you about the elders' hearts. We want you to hear their hearts. And we'll do that through them answering a set of frequently asked questions, some that we've already heard from you when you've caught wind of this study, and others that we anticipate that are quite natural questions to have. But I want you to hear those answers from them. So that will be a part of tonight. And the other part is just honoring that this is a difficult topic. And so I want to talk about how we do that. Just some equipping on how we walk into and deal with difficult topics. How we have hard conversations. Promise. This eight weeks. We will dive into 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 14 and church history and how that is. We will do all that. That's coming. But tonight, I want you to hear the heart of why we're doing this and how we're going to go about doing this and why it's important from your shepherds. Because they are important to us and we love them and we want to give honor where it's due. So we honor that it's difficult. We also need to honor that it's complicated. It's complicated. Does God have in mind what his ideal is, his kingdom ideal for what women's role in the church should be? Yes. Did he say, thou shalt use the role of women in this way in the church in the Bible? He didn't. He didn't. It's complicated because, so there's layered, it's not because he doesn't have a wheel, it's because it's a, there's layers to this that come into it when we start to study. One I've already mentioned, that's how we read scripture. Do we read it as a flat document? All verses are created equal? Or do we read it as if there's major themes in scripture that we are supposed to take in and then with wisdom, interpret the rest of scripture that seems to contradict each other in light of the major themes of the kingdom. Oh, I just said a mouthful, but I won't preach that sermon again. Do we read it like it's a set of rules to follow? 
Do we read the Bible looking for the rules, writing them down, and then we follow those rules as if following those is what gets us to heaven? Or do we read it as a story? There's a story going on, and he's using 66 different books, all different genres, poetry, history, apocalyptic literature, whatever that is, wisdom literature. He's using letters. He's using other people's mail. And there's a story in there that we're called to fulfill. Is it a set of rules that we follow? Or is it a story that we're called to fulfill? There's a huge difference in those. Those are both possibly valid ways of approaching. Which one is it? Which one does the Bible call for? These are important questions. Do we read it in its context? When we do take a book of the Bible, do we read it in its time-bound context and look for the purpose, pur- the, the, the purpose it's playing in that time in order to extract the principle that would apply in our time? Or do we just read it how it sounds to us now? Just, it's a, if, if so, then all of you are disobeying Scripture because you don't greet me with a holy kiss. It says in black and white right there, but you don't do No, because you go in and you read it in context. Do we pick and choose which ones we do that? It's complicated. That's a layer. A layer on this. It's not because God doesn't have a will or a kingdom ideal for women's role in the church. It's because scripture is where we glean that. And it, how you read it dictates what you conclude. Another layer is our own experiences with this. Some of you grew up in churches where women could teach kids up to 12 years old. Others up to 14 years old. Others 18 years old. Others nine. Others you could teach, the women could teach kids until someone in that crowd got baptized, a boy. If a boy gets baptized, then some churches, they said, well, that woman, the way we read scripture, can't have authority over a brother so I, I literally got this story from one, oh, I could do this all day, I shouldn't, but it, it, there's just so much here. I just want us to realize it's complicated. I'll tell one story. I, I heard that a church, there was a sweet lady teaching the fifth grade class, the gospel, the Bible, great teacher. And one of the boys in there decided to follow Jesus. And he gets baptized, but the way this church interpreted scripture is that woman can't have authority over a man, a b- baptized believer. And so they had a choice of either replacing the fifth grade teacher with a man, which they couldn't find. So they pulled, the other choice is to pull the fifth grade student out from the teacher that taught him the gospel and put him in the adult class in the auditorium. So that young man is not a Christian anymore. I'm just, I'm not saying it's because of that. I'm just saying it's complicated. And we all have our experiences. I was at, I'm going to tell one more. I was at Harding's lectureship, okay? I was at Harding's lectureship, and one of my son's buddies, who's a girl, who's an upperclassman, was teaching in the women's tract at lectureship. Well, I got to have dinner with her and her parents. And there is a dilemma. Can her dad come and hear his daughter teach scripture in that class? Based on what you, how you interpret scripture, that dad would have to do one or the other. It's difficult. And not everyone in here would think the same thing. What is that from? That's from your experiences. That's from, I could give you dozens of difficult situations like that. I'm not trying to make judgment right now. I want God to do that. But it's complicated. So your own experiences come to play. There's also culture. 
right? There's cultural moves in the larger culture. There's pressure in the larger culture. And there's church culture and pressure. Those come into play on this. You might have a strong feeling and you just don't know how to defend it. Because it's the culture you've been raised in or that you're feeling pressure from. It's difficult. Listen, um, just because the worldly culture comes up with a truth before a church does, but it's still a biblical truth, doesn't make it wrong. However, just because the world comes up with something that they think is true, that the church doesn't agree with, it doesn't make it right either. We have to study. We have to examine. We have to prayerfully walk with that, okay, and and figure it out. But those things, again, that comes in. Uh, One more little layer to this is church history. There's your church's history, but there is also our church's history, particularly our tribe that we hearken from, the Restoration Movement, Church of Christ Movement. There is history in that. And many of our forefathers, who we respect a lot, hold different opinions from each other, and different practices in their churches, and different practices from us. I'll give you one example of this. David Lipscomb, who David Lipscomb University is named after. It's a brotherhood school, Church of Christ. David Lipscomb was an early church father in the Church of Christ. He believed women could not teach or speak in this large group gathering, but they could, because men are present, and, but she could teach even men, even men older than her, at home and in the classroom. In fact, he said they should. For him, the line was between private or public, and he decided, and here's public, in the classroom's private. The problem with that is my church grew up studying David Lipscomb's commentaries. His, he was an authority on how to read and interpret scripture, but we practice different. Women were not allowed to teach men in the classroom. I don't even think they were allowed to do it in home. That's taking authority. So it's, it's complicated. These are Bible-believing, diligent studiers of scripture that, come, that we are related to, that come to God-honest different conclusions. So, It's complicated. It's not as black and white as we might like, but it's important and it's relevant. So, all of that, I don't know if it gets you excited or scared. Maybe for some of you it's a little of both, but I hope you will join us as we wade into those waters and with our, the most important command, clearly at the top, loving first each other, we can say once again yes about another difficult subject, we can talk about this. And I hope you'll walk into it with us with a commitment to some very Christ-like biblical postures. The first one is concerning the subject, women's role in the church. We'll deal with that, but how will we approach it? How will you approach it? I hope you'll do it with two qualities, openness and diligence. Okay, I could reverse those. Diligence and openness. What do I mean by that? So I'm talking about like this subject here, concerning scripture and then the application of that scripture in the times that we are in. And I've got Bible for this, just so I don't leave this morning without giving you any Bible. Um, just because, again, just because something is new doesn't mean it's wrong. That's why you need to be open. Just because something is new does not mean it's right. That's why you need to be diligent. 
Okay? So who exhibits this is there's two people groups I want to lift up to you that are exalted in Scripture for how they approach things. Okay? The first one is the Bereans. It's in Acts chapter 17. And Paul and his little entourage is teaching very new teaching, a very new interpretation of the Old Testament. It wasn't Old Testament to them. It was just the Bible. And all these Jews were hearing this new teaching and trying to consider it. The Thessalonians were pretty resistant to that because that's not the understanding of the Bible they inherited. Okay? But the Bereans, it says in Acts 17, the Bereans are of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness. That's their openness. And examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's their diligence. That's what we're doing. That's all we're doing. Okay? Openness. Some of you need to work on your openness. Some of you need to work on your diligence. We're not trying to just flap through this and do what feels good. Right? We're trying to find the truth. That's what we want. We don't want what's new. We want what's true. That's this journey. Go on it with us. Now, that's our posture. Oh, there's one more. And Tom used this when they made this announcement. The elders announced this. On, right before he prayed for us, he reminded us of the first Corinthians group called the men of Issachar. The men of Issachar in chapter 12, verse 32, it says, the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Okay, so this, it's not just a simple matter. What does the Bible say? Let's just do it. We need to also understand the times. For our church, for our culture, literally, our elders are the men of Issachar. 15 years ago, they came to the same conclusion that they came to eight years ago, five years, whatever it was. But they have decided to do different things. What factors were that? Biblical truth? No, that didn't change. Their conclusion didn't change. It was the times. Even the postponement of this class past COVID was them being the men of Issachar, discerning the times and knowing what to do. Okay? So there can be biblical truth that we have not applied yet that it's time for. Okay? There can be mistakes we've made too that we've always applied, find out that's wrong. We need to pull that back. It's time to do that. So that's our posture towards this subject. Would you join me in that? It is a better way to live. It takes a lot of the anxiety out when you go in understanding that God is a love first God. Look, it is grace or it is nothing. That's what the gospel message is. That makes these kind of things like exciting and fun and potentially revolutionary or confirming. That's what we'll do. Do it with us, okay? Now, concerning each other, the two qualities I want you to have These are ones we talk about all the time. I don't need to belabor it. Humility and love. Great verse from Paul in Ephesians 4. Just This is perfect instruction approaching this. Some of you are really going to feel this this verse going to jump off the page. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another. In love. Isn't that good? You're going to, you do. You already have very different opinions on this subject with someone in this room that us bringing it up it's why people say they can't talk about it some of y'all have rules in your family we don't talk about politics at thanksgiving right why because you want to have a good thanksgiving right you can't talk about it we say we can but if we do this 
Be completely humble. Be completely gentle. Have your strong feelings, but be patient. Bear with each other in love and count on us to do that for you. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of total intellectual agreement on every doctrinal subject. It's not what it says, is it? That's not where unity comes from. It comes through the bond of peace. It comes through Christ. So that's where we're at. Okay. I want to do one more thing here in the family. I usually dismiss our elders to move around the room, but I'm going to ask you guys, if y'all would come up here, please, and stand. They just want you to, I want you to, but they did too. They want you to see you elders come on up here. And Brent Adams, former elder, where are you? I'm going to ask him to come up as well uh, and just stand down here with us. I've got a closing thought. Oh, thank you. I almost forgot to tell you, our guest speaker that's coming on the 28th, 29th, one of those days, Sunday, his name's John Mark Hicks. He is a professor at David Lipscomb University. He has written many, many incredible books that I've read on all kinds of subjects. For those of you who've been raised Church of Christ, that's him. He's like one of us. So he comes at it with familiar language and understanding. And it's just phenomenal. He has one called Women Serving God. And it's on a list of resources that we'll give you tonight that you can examine. But he just does such a great and fair job of addressing church history and our doctrine and how we read scripture. So I, we called him. He's buddies. He, he's a coworker with one of my very good friends at David Lipscomb, who's a professor there. He said, could John Mark, could I have his email address? And, and we asked him to come and he was honored. He can't wait. He'll be doing class and worship. And then he'll be teaching on the church history in particular in the evening, but he'll be doing some of how we approach scripture in the morning. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to be doing that one earlier in the afternoon because he needs to get back. Is there something else that I need to say about that? Okay. All right. So one, the reason I, I have Brent up, y'all know why I have Brent up here. He's a good shepherd. He's a retired elder, but he's still our shepherd and he's your shepherd. And uh, he has made a point to come by my office and just tell me how moved and excited he is that we're doing this. And these elders are doing this with a little fear and trembling as well. Okay. Excited and fear and trembling. Because it's everything I said, it's complicated, it's emotional, but they've been called to it. So I want you to just hear a little bit about what Brent, he just said it so sweetly and so powerfully and who you are to us, Brent. I know you're uncomfortable with it, but you're special to us. And then we want him to pray for us. This eldership, he's gonna study it again and this time with you before we get into uh, this study. So thank you, Brent. Yeah, yes, Someone did give me some courage. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's so easy for us to uh, find an easy statement in the Bible and just go with that like uh, Paul said, let the women keep silent in the church. I've heard brethren quote that thing so much that I, I thought they don't know... Uh, they may not know a passage of Scripture other than that one, but they know that one. And I've, uh, I'll be 85 years old at the end of this month. And so I didn't start out yesterday. And I, came, I grew up in a very conservative church. But they were, they were good, loving people. I can remember standing around outside the church on Sunday morning and 
even before my dad was baptized. He was baptized just a, not, not too soon before I was. But I remember him going around and asking some of the women, uh, Jane, what, what do you got fixed for lunch? Uh, Susie, what do you got fixed for lunch? And he was making his way around, and there were all, several families, and we all felt like we were kin to each other. And Sunday lunch, everybody would go get their food and go to someone's house. And that's the kind of church I grew up in. I can remember sitting at the park on a, on a rock wall one day, and we just had a, a feed, and one of the elders came up, and there were about 15 of us boys sitting along there. And he said, look at all those boys eating fried chicken." I bet some of them are going to be preachers. And did you know that there are about 11 or 12 of us out of that little 250-member church that have been preachers? But was it that fried chicken we had? <laughs> no, it was the love of that church, the love of those families. And it's really, this subject can't be dealt with by just quoting Paul when he said, let the women keep silent in the church. You know, Paul had sent out so many people. He had taught so many people that Timothy and Titus and others like that were, were contacting him. What shall we do? Or here's a, here's a problem we're having in the church, and Paul would have to write them a letter or, or send them information. And when he said, let the women keep silent, there was a church, the women were causing problems, and, and Paul said, just let them be silent about that. And we take that, and we, we take that to mean everybody in every church at every time, all the time, ought to be silent if they're a woman. And I don't think that's probably the way it is. Listen carefully just for a moment. I apologize over the years for being so busy as a minister that I'd let things ride. And I'd put my head in the sand about things. I just didn't have time to deal with everything. And this was one of those, and that is how should the women serve? And, and we just let things go, and we put our heads in the sand. I'm so proud of this eldership. They're not putting, this, they're not putting their heads in the sand. Aren't you glad about that? They're willing to face it. They're willing to study it. They're willing to learn something they may not know. I know these guys' hearts. I've sat in meetings with them. I've discussed tough things with them. I know, I know their hearts. And I just want to tell you, they're for you and not against you. Amen? 
You know, there are a lot of questions that come up over this question about women's role in the church. And there are a lot of things in Scripture that we just simply passed right over. How many of you can tell the story of the prophetess, Anna? She lived in the temple. In fact, not only did she live in the temple, you find this in Luke 2, by the way. Not only did she live in the temple, but she never left it. She got married when she was young. Her husband died in seven years, and she went from that state into the temple, and she stayed there. And chapter 2 of Luke says, everybody that believed, she told them about this boy, Jesus. Did she have a place there? And did you know... She wasn't even from the priestly tribe. (laughs) She didn't even qualify. There are just so many questions like that that come and go and we just stick our heads in the sand and, and then we fight about it. Did you know when the Bible says that God created man in his own image, it also says, and in the image of God, he created him, them, male and female. Did you catch that? Not only was Adam made in the image of God, but so was Eve. I think that's significant. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and preaches. And one thing he said is something that we may have forgotten. He quotes from Joel, and he said on the day of Pentecost, when that day would come, Joel the prophet said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. I mean, it's in black and white. Did you know one of the apostles had four daughters and they all had the gift of prophecy? Acts chapter 21. Where did they get that gift? Who gave them the gift of prophecy? Where did they get it? What did they do with it? Is God saying, daughters, you can't speak, but you got this gift of prophecy. Boy, that'd be a tough life to live, wouldn't it? And you see some of these things just are there and we've just passed by them and not stopping to think what God has been doing, what God has been telling us.
want you to go home today and pray. Pray for these guys. Pray for this church. Pray for this community. And what, what do you say that we decide we're going to use everybody's talents? Would not that be a good thing? Amen? Amen. What? Amen. What? Amen. Some of you are not voting. <laughs> Would not that be a good thing? Amen. Amen. My Father in heaven, forgive me when I put my head in the sand and got busy doing something else and missed some good things. Father, I don't intend to let that happen anymore. Father, I love these elders and I've worked beside them and worked with them and laughed with them and cried with them. And and I just know, I just know they want your will be done. And so bless them as they lead us and bless us as we follow. And Father, use us so that the Southwest family can be a, a powerhouse of influence Amen. in this great city in which we live. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our elders are going to go around uh, to the places they've been assigned uh, for this month uh, with their spouses, and our ministers can also go to, uh, and they are there to receive you. Uh, if you'd like, Brent, Brent challenged us to go home and pray. I challenge us to stay here and pray. We can start here. Uh, if you want to talk to them, I'll tell you that the greatest gift you could give to our elders right now and our leadership is just see you tonight. That'd be a great gift. Uh, because we'd love to see you all here tonight as we enter into this uh, study. It, like Brian said, it's it's exciting to study anything in Scripture. It should move us, not scare us, uh, but I know it's complicated. So uh, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together and love for you to go uh, respond to these men and women.